Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Space can seem incredibly empty, but sometimes galactic collisions can take place. Now, there's a lot of stars in space, but how exactly and where exactly they form requires a lot of piecing together pieces of gas clouds. Plus, we find out about the emptiness of space, including some particularly empty areas, and just how exactly the Milky Way formed and got its halo of stars. All this and more is turned to galactic events. Now, we all know that space is large. Just how large, though, is quite difficult to comprehend. Now, of course, we all understand that the Earth orbits around the Sun and all the other planets in our solar system orbit around our sun, Sol. And if you look at it a bit further, you can see that we're all part of one arm of the large galaxy, the Milky Way. And then if you take another step out, zoom out a little bit further, you'll see that the Milky Way has some neighbors around it. There's other galaxies out there, like the Andromeda Galaxy. And we form a little local group, is actually the technical name for it. But then if you zoom out a little bit further, you can see that the local group interacts with even more groups or clusters of galaxies, which we all call the Virgo supercluster. And the Virgo supercluster contains groups of galaxies. And if you zoom out even further now, you can get to large groupings of these superclusters, such as the Lanikeia supercluster. Now, all of this sounds really complicated, but it's such an immense level of scale that you can think that space is incredibly full, full of all these galaxies and stars and local groups. And the further and further you zoom out, the more and more you find. And that's certainly true. But researchers from the University of Hawaii's Institute for Astronomy have worked together with a group of international researchers from a number of different universities under the leadership of Brent Tully, an astronomer and astrophysicist. And they published a paper in the journal Astrophysical Journal where they tried to map the size and the shape of something that's quite strange in space, an extensive, a really large, empty region of space. And they called this the local void. Now, the local void borders on the Milky Way galaxy, and we can see that it's actually a big collection of empty space in space, something where there's not any large numbers of stars grouped together in a galaxy or a little group, or a cloud, or none of that. It's just large emptiness, this void. Now, we know that galaxies move around each other. In fact, the relationship between galaxies can lead to sometimes one of the most amazing events in astronomy and astrophysics, and that is the collision of two galaxies. But that's not what's happening in these voids. In fact, nothing's happening in these voids. You end up with these large areas where it's incredibly sparse. Now, we live in this cosmic metropolis, which Tully was involved in defining, together with Richard Fisher, all the way back in 1987. But this local void has been poorly studied, because how do you actually study emptiness? Well, to actually study emptiness, you have to study the movements of everything around it, which is in fact 18,000 galaxies. Each of those galaxies is filled with hundreds and millions of stars. So think about how many components you have to try and model in there. Now. They built all of this together into a cosmographic map that highlights the boundaries between each of these groups of galaxies and defines the edge of this local void. Now, they did the same thing all the way back in 2014, and that's how they mapped the supercluster named Lanikea called Immense Heaven in Hawaii. 
Now, one of the strange things that we can see when we study all of this collection of galaxies and clusters is that the Milky Way and our nearest neighbor, Andromeda, the galaxy, are actually slightly slower than the overall expansion of the universe. Now, the universe is just swelling and expanding, but Milky Way and Andromeda aren't going as fast. In fact, they're slower by around 600 kilometers a second than everyone else. And half of that reduction in speed is generated from the combined pull of the supermassive cluster of galaxies known as the Virgo cluster. And the other half sort of comes from our participation in stretching out this void of empty space called the local void. And the more we slow down and get pulled by the Virgo cluster, the larger and larger this void of emptiness between Andromeda Galaxy, the Milky Way, and other areas. And that just means that the complicated motions of our galaxies are even more complicated than we thought before. Not only is there clusters of stars coming together to form a galaxy, which comes together to form a supercluster, there's also the clustering impact of emptiness. So when we try and study space, we have to put all of these things together and build incredibly complicated models to try and make sense of the darkness, as well as the light from all those galaxies. This is some great research published in the Astrophysical Journal from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, led by Brent Tully. Now, one of the things that empty space does contain is a lot of what's called diffuse interstellar medium, ISM. This is a big collection of gas and dust made up of the remnants from stars or from supernova themselves. Now, the interstellar medium is incredibly sparse in terms of particles inside it. Typically, it has around 10 to the negative 4 to 10 to the 6 particles per cubic centimetre. And most of those particles are actually hydrogen when you look at the mass. And the remainder is normally helium. Now, sometimes these clouds get enriched by heavier elements from the cores of stars ejected in supernova. And that is pretty cool. But these collections of gas and dust in the interstellar medium sometimes form collections into clouds or nebula. This formation of a cloud, either in a big grouping or some kind of constrained shape, like you might know the Eagle Nebula, which looks like being called the Pillars of Creation, or maybe the Horsehead Nebula. All of these things are just collections of interstellar medium and dust sort of concentrated into something quite visible. And it's these places that are the foundries where stars are born, or typically anyway. Sometimes it's possible to form a star in a much, much smaller and more dispersed cloud called a block globule, but normally they tend to form in these kind of interstellar clouds or nebula. And what then happens to actually collapse into a star is that, well, by some event, there's either too much mass or some external object influences the cloud itself and starts to pull the cloud in certain ways to form clumps. These clumps pull more and more particles in towards them. And eventually the cloud breaks up into a grouping of smaller clouds, which then condense to form stars. That's most part how the star process works. That's how they're formed. But if you want to look at how stars are formed across our galaxy, you need to have these certain conditions that make it possible to form a star. And that's what scientists 
The Japanese National Institute of Natural Sciences have recently been investigating and published in the publication of the Astronomical Society of Japan. Now, what they used was, in fact, a large radio observatory called the Nobuyama Radio Observatory, which is a 45-meter-large telescope. And they've been pointing this incredibly large radio telescope at collections of gas clouds across the universe. It's all part of the Milky Way survey project called Fujin, which uses the large NRO 45-meter telescope and a multi-beam receiver called Forest to piece together all of this picture of gas clouds across our galaxy and beyond. Now, a lot of this research is being led by Kazufumi Tori, and who's an assistant professor at NAOJ Japan. And they've been analyzing a large collection of gas cloud data. And when you look at all the gas scattered across the Milky Way, and you analyze and understand them, you need the right type of gas to actually form a star. It needs to have the right balance of hydrogen and helium, as well as those heavy elements that are needed. And we know that we need to have both a high density of a gas pocket and you need to have a very dense gas core, which can then evolve into a star over time. So Kazafumi Tori and his research team analyzed all of these gas clouds across a 20,000 light year span of the Milky Way. And they, and they found that these high density gas clouds, what you really need in order to actually form a star rather than just being a bit nice cloud, that's only around 3% of the total gas across the Milky Way. And that means that these star foundries with this high density gas is actually pretty rare to form. Not frequently do you actually find these low density sparse clouds actually producing a really high density gas and thus then later a star. That means that the stars that do form and the location that they do form in is actually pretty incredibly lucky. When you think about how many stars are scattered across the Milky Way and beyond, you might think that, wow, that's so many of them. It must be so super easy to form a star. But the results here actually show that despite the huge amount of chances for it to occur, it actually, it's not, not that easy to actually form a star. And that's probably why we're not blinded by the light from millions more stars than otherwise possible. So you really do need those right conditions just to even get close to forming a star. It's the first time we've actually mapped out the likely star foundries across the Milky Way as part of the Fujin Milky Way Galaxy Survey Project. This is some great work published in the Astronomical Society of Japan and sort of lays the groundwork for finding places where stars may form across the Milky Way and help explain how stars can form across our universe. Now we've talked about how empty the void of space can be and how stars are formed in these space gas clouds. But one of the most exciting things that can happen in astrophysics is of course the collision of two galaxies. Now these things are rare, but they do happen. And researchers from the Instituto di Astrofisica di Canarias have been studying exactly how one of those galactic collisions may have helped form our very home galaxy, the Milky Way. But to piece this all together, we have to cast our eyes back all the way to 13 billion years ago to try and piece together the exact chain of events that lead us to today to having a particularly strange and unusual Milky Way. 
Now, all of this work was done by the IAC using the Gaia Space Telescope, which enabled them to study in particular detail two features of the Milky Way galaxy. One is the galactic halo, which is the large cluster of stars that sort of extends outside of the plane of the Milky Way galaxy. And then there's the disk, the large disk of the spiral arms which we find ourselves living in. And by analysing these two, as well as the remains of a dwarf galaxy, now called Gaia Enceladus. And we're trying to piece together here exactly how Gaia Enceladus and the Milky Way relate to each other. They did this by looking at the colours and the brightness of the various stars that they can see. So they have theoretical models, but they also then use the research data from the Gaia Space Telescope to study the distribution of colours and the magnitudes, the brightness of the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. They split them into the two components, the stellar halo, this large spherical structure, surrounds spiral galaxies, and the disk, the core of the structure, but only inside a certain range. And this is what enabled Kamigalat and the research team to sort of piece together what happened to the Milky Way. But they were missing one other element, and that is to really study the quantity of metals, which are not hydrogen or helium, these heavy metals, um, and study the quantity of these between the two stellar objects. This stellar remains of the dwarf galaxy Gaia and Cletus, and also on the Milky Way itself. Now, when they looked at the data for these stars present in Gaia and Cletus, and looked at the ones in the Milky Way, they found that both objects were formed by equally old stars, which are much older than those that live inside the thick disk part of the Milky Way galaxy. But if that means that they're likely formed at the same time. But if they're formed at the same time, are there any other differences between them? And that's where the metals come in. And using the metals, they're able to piece together and refine their simulations to actually get a better idea about the actual history and the formation of the Milky Way galaxy. And the hypothesis is as follows. Around 13 billion years ago, stars began to form in two different stellar systems, which all then collapsed and merged into one. One was the dwarf galaxy, which we will call here Gaia and Cletus, and the other was the main progenitor of our galaxy. It was actually much more massive, four times larger than the current Milky Way, and with a larger proportion of metal. Now, some 10 billion years ago, these two objects collided with each other, the more massive system in Gaia and Cletus, and as a result, some of the stars that were in Gaia and Cletus were thrown about into some kind of chaotic motion as the gravitational paths that they normally were orbiting got completely disrupted and thrown into the stars' orbits around those in the Milky Way. This looks spectacular if you watch animations of it, but it's actually a pretty messy situation. And eventually, all of this messy spinning out of the remains of Gaia and Cletus was actually forming this halo around the Milky Way. And there were these violent outbursts and stars forming and quickly dying for around 6 billion years. And finally, when all of that settled out, they were all constrained into the flat disk of the Milky Way galaxy that we now know. On the outside, we have this halo of surrounding remnants from Gaia and Cletus. And that's how the Milky Way galaxy is believed to have formed. And when you think about it like that, it goes to show that the timescales we're talking about here are tens of billions of years. And these collisions we might watch in an animation that takes place over 30 seconds but would have happened over an incredibly slow time period. It's not a car crash, but it is 
a real crash, like the continents moving up against each other, forming the great mountains of the Himalayas. The collisions between galaxies is very similar, but on an even slower scale. The impacts and the results are amazing to witness. That's how we've ended up with our Milky Way galaxy and the surrounding neighborhood around us. But it also happened incredibly slowly. It wasn't like the two stars literally crashed into each other. Well, they did at one point, but that was happening over a very long, long time scale. This is some great work out of the ISC, published in the journal Nature Astronomy. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. From the emptiness of space to the stellar foundries forming from gas clouds, and how the Milky Way galaxy itself formed and left behind a tragic halo past. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.